Clem Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Underwriting also provided by Plant Skid, Deer and Rabbit Repellent, the first repellent to be listed organic by the Organic Materials Review Institute. Plant Skid is Swedish for plant protection and now comes with a plant protection guarantee. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Hello and welcome again. This is Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. I'm here every week, sometimes alone, sometimes with a guest. Today we do have a guest, Bill Torello from Converted Organics. He's the head of research and development. Dr. Torello, I should add, Ph.D. Uh, well, soil science, lawn science, if you'd like to ask me a question Please send an email to Ken Drews Real Dirt at yahoo.com and check out the radio show. If you're listening on the radio at this time, you can listen to archived episodes at realdirtradio.com and always check out kendrews.com, K E N D R U S E. And we're going to be talking to Bill Torello. Well, I have a kind of funny lawn, and many of you have heard about it. Uh, it doesn't have, well, I guess it has about maybe 70% grass. I kind of call it the, the cropped meadow because it, re it really, compared to a golf course, this is broadleaf weeds. I don't use any chemicals on it. I don't even water it. This year I haven't watered any piece of the lawn at all. And uh, it looks great. Unfortunately, it needs to be mowed <laughs> quite often because we've had so much rain and now we're into heat. It hasn't turned brown, but that I think is because of the rain and maybe also because I don't have conventional lawn grasses in it. I have whatever got there. Sometimes I seed it a little bit, but mostly these are the local grasses and weeds and farm weeds that I do mow occasionally when they need it, and uh, that's how it gets to be the crop meadow. If I left this thing alone, I don't know what it would be. It would be three-foot-tall weeds, and then it would be shrubs, and then it would be trees. But I don't know enough about caring for lawn, and I've, I have to admit I've avoided the topic because I don't like all the chemicals that are put on lawn, but these days we have lots of choices of organic products to help the health of the lawn and to feed the lawn. And the product we're going to hear about today will also help you not use potentially hazardous chemicals on your lawn because they they build the immune system of the grass plants themselves. So I'm really looking forward to talking to Bill Torello, and we're going to do that right now. I'm talking to Dr. William Torello, Ph.D. He's the Director of Research and Development for converted organics. Uh, hello, Bill. Hello. How are you doing, Ken? I'm fine, thank you, and I'm very interested in converted organics. I'm, I'm interested in everything organic, and I'm interested in your lawn and turf product and also your flower and garden product, but one thing that I'm extremely interested in is no flags on the lawn warning people that they shouldn't come on the lawn or, you know, I love those signs that say keep pets and children off the lawn for 48 hours. <laughs> we don't need those, right? No, absolutely not. I mean, um, 
they're old time. They're old fashioned these days. Well, you, you still see them surprisingly. Well, well, you do, and uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, they're 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 a wonderful thing to have there because they warn you off of <laughs> applications. And the applications are of fertilizer, but they're also of fungicide and pesticides. And from my understanding of reading the information about converted organics, uh, your products don't require as much fungicides, if any fungicides. And that's those potentially hazardous chemicals are something I like to stay away from. Well, I don't use it all. So I'm, I'm interested in how you make the grass healthy. Mm, and that's good. pretty much what you're into, right? Oh, absolutely, and you're you're correct. Uh, at least on the um, on the homeowner side, uh, we can do away with uh, fungicides altogether. Altogether, that's great. Altogether, the um, the professionals like like golf courses and whatnot, we can reduce their chemical input for you know about seventy five percent, perhaps even more, depending upon the location. Well, that's an incredible savings of money for them too. Well, and it's good for us too. As it's well. very good for us. So uh, tell me a little bit about the lawn and turf product and the flower and garden products. Uh, one thing I've noticed is their NPK, their nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium uh, contents. The, the numbers are a little low compared to some fertilizers, and uh, the nitrogen is high as it should be for a lawn product. But uh, how can the numbers be low and still be effective? Well, uh, as your breeders, your listeners probably know, uh, organic um, additions to any kind of uh, agronomic situation is a value-added proposition. It's not just mineral nutrition. It's uh, increasing the health and structure of the soil and many other things. Now, our two granular products are an 814 and a 418. Now, <laughs> The 814 basically is our standard lawn lawn care product, granular product. The 41, uh, excuse me, the 418 would be more for uh, floricultural type things and uh, gardens and uh, <coughs> excuse me and uh, indoor plants and whatnot like that. Oh, the high potassium level there, the eight percent potassium, is to give that particular product uh, or uh, a more of an environmental stress uh, uh, capability because the higher the potassium levels, the better the, uh, the stress uh, resistance. So you're building the foliage with the nitrogen and you're building the, the health of the roots, I guess, with the potassium. Absolutely. It, it is more to potassium than just that. I mean, potassium is, is involved in a big way in terms of heat stress, uh, water stress, and things of that nature, salinity stress. So we've upped the uh, potassium content for that reason alone. And you can also use the 418 on turf, too. Mm -hmm. So if you're using the organic products, uh, do you find that you also have to water less? Well, that, that's true. You do have to water less. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's not... Uh, right after you use the material, but within a year or two, what's happening is that you're building up organic matter in the soil profile, which acts kind of like a sponge. And the more organic matter that's in the profile, as a result of the uh, organic fertilizer, <laughs> microbial activities, is, 
it is what's giving you that uh, that increased sponge effect. Uh, now, when you talk about that, it's not just the granules that which are organic and have they don't have a humus content themselves, or maybe they do. But uh, what else? How else does it build the humus in the soil? Oh, you're absolutely correct, Ken. I mean, in and of themselves, organic fertilizers don't really add to the organic matter of the soil profile per mm -hmm. se. What they do is stimulate microbial activities in the soil, good stuff, good bugs, which in turn break down uh, existing organic materials in the soil that usually accumulate, particularly in turf, in terms of thatch and whatnot like that. And uh, the thatch decomposes into humate-type material, so you're getting an increase in humus, and when you get an increase in humus or humic substances, you get an increase in water holding capacities as well as nutrient holding capacities. And, and again, it's a reflection um, not so much of the material itself, but of the microbial activity that, that it elicits. Very, very important microbial activity in soils. So is this some kind of composting that's going on? You know, if you use a mulching mower and, well, actually, why don't you tell us what thatch is for anybody who doesn't know? it's kind of like a composting action in a sense. When you're increasing microbial activities in the soil in terms of increasing bacterial content, uh, fungal content, which are the good guys, some of the mm -hmm. good guys, what you're do doing is increasing the degradation process. And what they do is take large bits of organic matter that are accumulating in the soil and convert them into smaller bits of organic material, much smaller. Um, and that is humus accumulation. So in a sense, yeah, it's a natural composting uh, process that goes on after you apply organic fertilizers. Well, I don't have a problem with thatch myself, but uh, can you just tell the listeners what thatch is? Thatch is a common occurrence in most uh, turf grass situations, particularly in golf courses and, and uh high-cultured uh, home lawn situations where the grass is growing so quickly that the microbial action in the soil can't keep up with it. So what happens is when you, when you uh, uh, mow your lawn and when, uh, in terms of uh, growth of the grass, the stem tissue accumulates on the surface of the soil. And again, the microbial action can't keep up with that. And that's why organic fertilizers are good, because we're stimulating the organic matter, excuse me, stimulating the microbes to uh, reduce and degrade that thatch material. Now, that thatch material is good up to about a half an inch. Once it gets above a half an inch thick, then you start getting a lot more disease activity, a lot more drought um, problems and uh, and heat stress problems as well. So thatch, in a sense, is not a good thing, but it is very common in most home lawns. Is it kind of uh, a mass of the roots and rhizomes that die at the surface? It essentially is an accumulation of not roots, <clears throat> but stems, rhizome, mm -hmm. tillers, stones, and whatnot like that. When you're using your mulching mower, or any mower, mower for that fact, and you're cutting turf grass leaves and returning them to the soil, the cut leaves do not 
add to the fat layer at all. In fact, they're a good thing. <clears throat> they're very succulent in terms of or in comparison to the uh, stem tissues. So they break down very quickly, releasing nutrients and various other things to the soil. So it's not turf grass clippings that contribute to thatch accumulation. It's the stem tissues, which uh, you, you, you pretty much can't see. <laughs> They're <laughs> down on the soil surface or just under it in terms of stolons and rhizomes. Well, I'm speaking with Bill Torello, who is the Director of Research and Development for Converted Organics. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Bill about how come you don't have to use the product as often as you have to use chemical fertilizers that may even have more nitrogen in them. And I also want to know how the product is maybe grown or made. So we'll be right back. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Plant Skid Animal Repellent is a proud underwriter of Ken Drews Real Dirt. Developed for the forestry industry over 20 years ago, no other product has been so extensively tested for long-term efficacy. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello, and thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And my guest today is Dr. William Torello, Bill Torello, Director of Research and Development for Converted Organics. And we've been talking mostly about turf, uh, something we don't talk about enough on the show, I think. And uh, Bill has been telling me about the products that Converted Organics makes, the lawn and turf fertilizer. But we've been talking mostly about what's in them. And I want to know why these products don't have to be used as much as some chemical fertilizers, how they're made. But I also want to know about how the good guys in the organic fertilizer fight the bad guys. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the disease resistance that's kind of built into organic fertilizers. Yeah, the um, the disease resistance is relatively well known within the organic world for most organic fertilizers. And that's because most organic fertilizers, again, stimulate microbial activities in the soil, the good guys. And the more you stimulate the good guys, the more they fight with the bad guys, the less, uh, the less disease occurrence you get. That's a very common uh, concept well-known to, uh, to the organic world. A less-known concept that's been around for about 10 years, that is equally uh, well-known, at least in the scientific community and the professional community, is a process called systemically acquired resistance. And what that basically is, is the result of an organic fertilizer, particularly liquid fertilizers, that are sprayed on leaves or you know, into the root zone. And what they do is elicit a kind of an immune system response, kind of like when you go get a flu shot. You don't become totally, um, totally immune to the to the flu, but you do become resistant. Mm. That's what happens here with uh, with a lot of different plants, including turf grasses. When you spray or apply organic fertilizers, it induces a an internal physiological response that results in 
a very high degree of disease suppression, sometimes uh, overnight, sometimes within a week or two, and it can last uh, anywhere from a few weeks to uh, to the whole season. Wow. So it's a well-known response. It's, um, again, called systemically acquired resistance. Well, I noticed in the press material that you don't have to use your product as often as some of the other, well, let's say, liquid applications and things like that. So uh, is that just because it degrades slower or it becomes available longer? Well, over time that you're using our products, and in particular most organic products, what's happening is that you're, again, increasing the soil microbial populations and activities, and over time, again, that increase in microbial activity will increase the breakdown and degradation of resident or native organic material that builds up in the soil. And by doing that, you're releasing more and more native or um, uh, nitrogen and nutrients mm-hmm. that are locked up in stems and leaves and whatnot like that so that you don't have to put on more synthetic fertilizer. So the lawn is and the garden is feeding itself after a while. Exactly. If after a while it's feeding itself and, and the uh, turf grass or garden is growing and you're putting back green material, you're putting back organic material into the soil, which feeds that process. Well, it sounds very complex, actually, and I'm wondering how Converted Organics produces this product. Or do you grow it? Well, no, no. Converted Organics is very unique um, within its product uh, production. In fact, I don't know of any other company in the, in the uh, country that has our process. And what it's called is high-temperature liquid composting. What we essentially do is take food waste, garbage, uh, yesterday's dinner, breakfast, and uh, lunch, and we convert it into a compost material within three to five days. Now, that's done with the help of what we call thermophilic bacteria, bacteria bacteria that actually love and actually work better in high temperatures. Mm. So what we do is take large amounts of of food waste, and we, uh, we essentially compost it, and we come out with a liquid as well as a granular material. Now, those liquids and granular materials have... Um, more things than most organic fertilizers in them. In a sense, they have uh, fruits, vegetables, meats, fish, shellfish, and whatnot like that. It is a very diverse and large source of material within our products. And that's what gives our products their their activity, particularly with the SIR response. There's a lot of antioxidants from your colored fruits and whatnot like that. There's a lot of hormonal activity, plant hormonal activity in terms of cytokinins. And uh, that's, again, why we get uh, a very quick, very rapid, very effective disease suppression. So the way you you have a product that's standardized is by the recipe of what goes into the soup? Exactly. And it's relatively... um, uh, the same for from batch to batch because we get mostly vegetable fruit materials from uh, stores like Stop and Shop and uh, Whole Foods and whatnot like that, and we get a much lesser amount of meats and uh, fish and shellfish, but we do get those components. And again, the uh, variation 
in our feedstocks uh, results in our variation in the amounts and types of organic components that we're supplying to the soil and to the plant. I'm curious, what temperature approximately do you cook it at? That's a good question, Ken. We we bring the temperature up to about 70 degrees uh, mechanically in our uh, containers. And by the way, our, we go anywhere from 60,000 up to uh, 250,000 gallon wow. container. But they are um, what we call our composters. Our, uh, and uh, we bring the temperature up to 70 degrees, and, it, and then the thermophilic bacteria take over, and they'll bring it up to 130 degrees. And we'll let that go for about, again, three to five days, and the bacteria are breaking down that organic matter very, very quickly. And they're reducing it down even into humic-type materials. So it's a very, very quick composting of a very diverse food stock, or feed stock, we should say. And you can almost say that it's kind of like composting on steroids, <laughs> although I don't like to use the word steroids. <laughs> well, you get, a, you get a more muscular lawn and garden. You really do, yeah. And uh, is it, do you think that the product would be good to apply in the fall as well as the spring, or how do you recommend that for seasonal application, especially for the lawn? Yeah, your audience should know that the higher the soil temperatures, the greater or the quicker an organic fertilizer will work. So when you're putting it on in the early spring, you're not really going to get that large of a response or in the late fall. So the more you put an organic fertilizer in towards the summer, the quicker the reaction. And my recommendations generally are an application in mid to late spring, an application in midsummer, and an application in mid to uh, to late fall. Well, you mentioned houseplants before, and I've found with some of the organic fertilizers, or the granular fertilizers, that the plants have fertilizer available in the warm house when they really don't need it in the fall. Uh, mm. Have you found that to be the case with your products? Well, and, it, and again, in a warm house, uh, you, you're getting warm soil, so you're getting a reaction there. Uh, and yes, that wouldn't be all that that beneficial. However, it's a lot better than uh, than synthetic fertilizers in the sense that it's slow release. Uh-huh. It's not quick, so it's not going to burn those roots. Well, oh, absolutely. If, uh, uh, you'd, you'd have to work really hard to burn the roots. <laughs> good. In fact, it just won't, it just wouldn't happen. I've I've done it plenty with other fertilizers. Believe me. So, uh, where can listeners find the products? Where are they available? Well, right now the, uh, we, we're uh, selling to Home Depot and to uh, Whole Foods markets. Uh, I don't. You know, I'm not in the uh, in the. Uh, uh, marketing and sales and whatnot like that. Is there a website I, address you can give us? There's a website, and your your uh, audience should go to it, and that is uh, convertedorganics.com. www.convertedorganics.com. Well, Bill, thank you so much for explaining some of this to me, and I'm going to go out and get some and try it thank right you. away. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks again. Bye. Now. Bye. It's funny, Bill made me hungry for these products. I'm going to have to go find them because I I do want to promote the use of anything organic that I possibly can. And as we heard, this is a way to have a sustainable lawn, to help have a sustainable lawn 
And I want to try them on the flowering plants, the ornamentals as well, especially in containers. I'm always looking for something slow release in containers so that I don't have to apply it over and over again. And the products sound very good. I'm I'm a little bit, uh, I, I'm questioning the low phosphorus because phosphorus does lead to flowering. But uh, I have a feeling that as described, this product will help build your soil and build your plants, and, uh, uh, well, we'll find out. I'll try it. I'll find out. I'll report back to you. I think it's uh, it's going to be all good because uh, I know enough about soil science and humus and disease resistance to know that these kinds of things work. I, I, I once tried to start a... So a word going around, probiotics, because we have a lot of antibiotics, but I thought it would be great to have probiotics. And uh, at the time, I think there wasn't anybody using probiotics.com, but, you know, it's another one of those get-rich-slow schemes. I've got a million of them. And we all know how they work out. Not, hmm, well, I did learn an awful lot more about turf. And, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I should feed my lawn some of it. And uh, I will try that. I'll try an experiment. I'll feed a little area and not feed a little area and see if I can see the difference. And uh, that'll be that'll be good. I'll have a little control area. Uh, I won't use a chemical fertilizer for comparison, but, you know, this the Kendrews Institute. This is just Kendrews Real Dirt, the garden show. And there's a new show every Friday. Check us out Friday afternoon at Real Dirt Radio or on your radio. See you next week. 